This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. We're continuing our mini-series on the experience of mothers as they begin parenthood. It's inspired by a WBEZ series published last week called The First 12 Weeks. Yesterday, we heard the story of Crystal, a new mother in Inglewood, and the struggles that black mothers face when it comes to accessing proper maternal care. Today, we'll shift to the experience of immigrant mothers in Chicago and how new mothers navigate issues of isolation and loneliness. To learn more, we're speaking with reporter and author of Refugee High, Coming of Age in America, Ellie Fishman, who's also behind the first 12 weeks stories. Also joining us is Annie Conquest, a certified nurse midwife at Erie Family Health Centers. Now, Ellie, another woman that you profiled was a mother named Acel. Tell us about her. Acel is a new immigrant to America. She's from Kyrgyzstan, and she arrived here in April 2022 and almost immediately got pregnant. So not only is she new to this country, new to this culture, but she's new to motherhood. So she has a lot to navigate. I can imagine. It's a good time to talk about her story, too, because right now we are seeing more migrants enter Chicago who might be going through similar experiences, right? Yes, I think there are a lot. And I know Annie can speak to that, too. Yeah, raising a child, Annie, it's it's hard enough. But Imagine trying to do that in a place where you're just not familiar, you're brand new, the, the culture, the language, it's all different. How have you helped folks who are experiencing some of those challenges? Yeah, I think about 70% of my patients are immigrants, and they come from all different um, places on earth, and many of them are uh, undocumented immigrants, or in the case of the person that Ellie followed, is a um, she's here on a visa. Okay. Um, I also have quite a few refugees in my practice. And it's really about trying to coordinate care, um, get people involved in programs and in touch with resources that could potentially benefit them and their families. Um, But also just to, for me anyway, to midwife an entire family um, and not just through a labor and a birth or a pregnancy, but also um, help birth this family into America, um, which means really getting getting the right people in the room together to help them navigate. You know, Acel is often alone caring for her child because her husband's actually working nights as a, a rideshare driver. And uh, a couple uh, couple of times, they only get one to two hours together a day, according to your story, Ellie. How does Acel cope with loneliness? It's really, really hard. And That's I know tough. you mentioned we have the mom, we had the mom's self-document and you can, Acelle was doing these 3 a.m. recordings of her experience and you can hear in the quiet that sense of loneliness. And I think that it's a lonely time for a lot of new moms and that's kind of unexpected because you, you're actually adding a human to your household, but somehow you feel lonelier. Yeah. And 
And I really, I really felt that in Asel's experience. Wow, that's got to just mess with your 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 mind for sure. I mean, let's let's hear from her. Um, as we mentioned, the mothers who are featured in this uh, first twelve week series, they all kept audio diaries. Before we continue, let's listen to uh, Asel's. My brain is not working well. I just wish to sleep more and more, and I feel like I'm lacking of the sleep. It's hard, but everything's good. This is life. Do you relate to that at all, Ellie? Again, you're a new mom yeah. yourself. Yeah. I, you know, when I listen to Asel's recordings, I feel like my heart contracts. Mm. <laughs> it just really, it, it hits my marrow. I'm mixing you felt metaphors. periods of loneliness? Yeah, I, I think it's just a time where you've, I, for me, I felt... Um, a little bit out of body. I felt I I never liked my dog, but I was so happy to have my dog around because <laughs> she was familiar yes. <laughs> in a world that felt really unfamiliar suddenly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's important to note, even moms who have social support, they can also feel isolated. Right, Annie? Yeah, for sure. And I think that um, just having so many new things and having to make so many decisions, even if you have people around you who you consider to be good support or yeah. who are asking after you, there's so much responsibility in that moment. Um, and you have you're caring for somebody who can't tell you anything oh, yeah. except with their with their cries. <laughs> um, you know, they can't talk to you. So I do I do feel like um, even if you do have a lot of support in the, the best of circumstances, mm-hmm. um, it, it's there are challenges that none of us could anticipate. Um, and are kind of unique to each person. Yeah, I had a lot of support in the early days as well. And, and in my case, I mean, I was pregnant very soon after. My my kids are back to back and still felt quite lonely, right? It, so I, I definitely can relate there. Um, but what are the biggest barriers, Annie, um, thinking of the folks that you care for, immigrants and non-citizens, you know, when it comes to natal and maternal care, what are they up against? Well, I kind of liken it to the fact that I don't speak Vietnamese, but if you ask me to go to Vietnam and buy a car on my first day there, that's kind of what it's like to enter the U.S. healthcare system. Um, I don't speak the language. I don't know very much about cars. I'm asking, being asked to do all of these sort of transactions that I don't understand. There's like licensing and government involved, and I, I just am lost. Um, so I think one of those early on challenges is just getting connected with someone. Um, It's one of the things I really love about Erie Family Health Centers where I work is that we are considered definitely a place of refuge for immigrants, um, regardless of your status. And that um, when you arrive in our, you know, through our doors, we are designed to help you and meet you where you are, Mm -hmm. get you connected with healthcare. Um, And for pregnant women, there's an urgency about that because we have a small amount of time to make a really big difference in your life, in your baby's life. Um, And so I feel like for new immigrants, um, that's one of the first things that is um, sort of meets them is that they have to get involved in a system that does not make any sense to even those of us who speak the language and understand the laws and well, here's where matters get worse, Ellie. Didn't Acel get some really bad advice when it comes to Medicaid? I think it was bad advice, yeah. I, what happened there? So she was told, Acel actually does qualify for Medicaid, and um, Medicaid covers, I believe, half the births in this country. And for many women who are new parents who are covered by Medicaid, the cost is 
close to zero dollars. But Acel was told that enrolling in a public benefit could jeopardize a future green card application. And I know that can be a fear among new immigrants, especially after the Trump administration kind of doubled down on public charge laws. And so she elected to buy health care on the marketplace. And now she's looking at a bill of close to $7,000 for the birth of her daughter. Oh, my goodness. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Our guests are Annie Conquest, who's a certified nurse midwife with Erie Family Health Centers, and Ellie Fishman, who's a reporter and mother uh, behind WBEZ's new First 12 Weeks series. Now, let's bring another voice into the conversation. Dr. Liz Glasgow is the executive director of Innovations to Improve Maternal Outcomes in Illinois and medical doctor of the UI Health Two Generation Clinic. Welcome to Reset, Doctor. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So before we continue our conversation, I I did want to include this message that we got from a listener this week named Helen. Uh, She had her first child eight years ago, and she mentioned having postpartum depression and anxiety and also uh, trouble with uh, breastfeeding. All of things that she actually was not expecting uh, before giving birth. Here's what she writes in part. I had no idea how to ask for help or how to find help, but I learned the hard way. I want a world where no parent has to learn the hard way ever again. I think we need major structural changes to make it easier for parents to ease into their new role. When I read about the systems some other countries have in place to support new parents, I get so angry that we don't have that here. The fact that we don't have universal maternity leave in this country is inhumane. And she writes some more, but I'll leave it there. Thank you, Helen, first of all, for sharing your story and your thoughts. But Dr. Glasgow, listening to that, what goes through your mind? Is our system here broken? Well, it was very well said. I think our system is broken. I do believe, though, that at the national level, we really are seeing the recognition that our system needs to improve. We need to really change the way we deliver health care to postpartum persons. And foremost, our systems are so segregated, both in the way we pay for them and just in general, where you go different places, how it's paid for, different ways. We need to begin to integrate that more. So at the national level, uh, the Biden administration recently released a report, a maternal health report, that really calls for the integration of care overall Mm -hmm. so that systems work together. So several years ago, the University of Illinois at Chicago received the I Promote grant that was mentioned. And one of the ways that we're using our funding was to develop a two-generation clinic. And we're trying to fix that uh, the splintering of different care so that we can, in one place, one location, help families really receive both the social services they need, the behavioral health services, and the medical services. Mm-hmm. You know, all of this is so foreign to me. I I was raised in Canada, ended up giving birth to my children in Canada. So you're all smiling at me because you know what I'm about to say is I got a year off with (laughs) each child. And so moving to the U.S., you know, eight years ago and seeing that it's just normal here for my colleagues to be back at work in like eight, 12 weeks after giving birth is mind-blowing. I, I, I can't wrap my head around it because I know how much I needed that 12 months with each baby and, and all that it allowed me to do. I, I wonder what it's going to take to get 
somewhat closer to a similar system here in the U.S. Exactly. I think there's a lot of structural things that need to change. And we do have a maternal health task force where we're trying to address some of that. Um, At the medical level, I think these promising new models, such as a two-generation clinic, uh, which I'll explain a bit about that clinic, is we developed a two-generation clinic, meaning that we see moms and their babies at the same time with the same health providers, and we provide wraparound care. And what that does is it supports the entire family's needs. So we have real-time psychiatry along with our physicians. We have real-time social work. We have real-time identification of social determinants of health needs. And then we help connect people to resources. And we're really in it for the longer-term care of families. So not just beyond the 12 weeks postpartum, but really as we engage moms in the, their health of themselves, their babies, their families. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, Annie? How, I mean, how do we make the system more equitable? And who would be responsible for making those changes? I think some individual states have made some movement in that direction. I know that I'm originally from Massachusetts, and okay. Massachusetts has paid parental leave now, um, and it's um, it's funded on the state level. Um, and I think that that is not the perfect solution, but I think it's moving towards there. Right. Um, The other thing I want you to consider or our listeners to consider is that there are some folks who go back to work at four weeks postpartum and work, you know, for example. Clutching my imaginary pearls. Yeah. They work at McDonald's. And so they're working in the kitchen, standing on their feet all day. And having a conversation about that with that person about breastfeeding or their their ability to express milk while they're, while they're away from their baby is completely different than talking to somebody who may return to a place where there's an office or yeah. with an office door that they can shut where they have privacy. Um, so I, I do think that the national movement is going to be important because I'm not sure that every state will necessarily um, want to move in the same direction. Yeah. Um, and, I, and so I, that's how I envision it on a, on a federal level. Um, that we can all move together and really use our collective uh, desire for um, postpartum and parenting people to have the time and uh, devote the time to devote to their families. For sure. And, and by no means am I saying the Canadian system is perfect, but I'm just saying that time was so valuable. I, I would never, I wouldn't trade it for the world, right? How did you navigate healthcare systems here, Ellie? Well, I... I'm lucky in that I work for myself and can make my own schedule and sort of decided when I was ready to go back to work. And that was such a gift. Yeah. My husband has health insurance and that allowed me to really take my time and feel like I was I I didn't have to necessarily worry about care. I will say one thing that came up in a story and actually was something that I did deal with was cost and on average, a birth in the United States with good insurance costs three thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Without insurance, it's closer to twenty thousand dollars. So one of the things that could happen in this country is that we could take down that cost. I believe it's the number one reason why people are going into hospitals in general across the country. I don't know. I'm with two experts, so I'm looking at them Chime for in, confirma- confirmation. <laughs> But why does that have to cost $3,000? Yeah. That's more than most people pay for housing every month. That's three months worth of food for many American families. It's 
a huge cost for what is often a pretty routine hospital visit. Hmm. Is that valid, that concern, uh, Dr. Glasgow? Absolutely. And then the cost of parenting in general, all of the supplies, the lost work time, it's extremely expensive. And many of our families who do give birth, they already were having financial difficulties. And then to add that on top of it is not only difficult for them financially, but it creates a huge amount of stress, Mm -hmm. huge amount. Annie, what resources are out there for for immigrants or non-citizens who are coming here to the Chicago area? Yeah, so Medicaid, which we've talked about, is a big benefit for folks who are um, immigrants who are low income. Um, And Medicaid, thankfully, in in Illinois is available to um, all pregnant people um, if they qualify in terms of income, regardless of their their immigrant status or regardless of the fact that they're documented or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I there are services like WIC, which is federally funded but also administered at the state level that all low income people can qualify for. That would allow them to have extra or to have them to have allow them to have food for themselves and for their babies. Um, there are a lot of um, case management programs available through Medicaid, which connect um, patients and their families with needed things like child supplies for their baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would really hope that um, our community organizations um, would be a source of um, uh, of help for new parents. Um, yeah, I'm glad you're touching on that because the, the mother we feature in this series, Annie um, Assel, she was ultimately able to find a, a network of families from Kyrgyzstan, right? Uh, so how can new parents listening to us right now, how can they find more support in their community? Yeah. Um, so Especially if they don't have friends or family near them. Yeah. And so many d- don't have friends or family. They've come here for extenuating circumstances, oftentimes not leaving home of their own volition because potentially of like a genocide in their home country. It's not as though they really were like, mm, I'd love to leave my home that I've loved and known my whole life and go to a strange country where I don't know anybody. Um, so there are certainly cultural organizations. For example, I'm thinking on the north side of the Rohingya Cultural Center, mm. um, which is a gathering place for Rohingya um, immigrants. Um, and they have access to resources within Chicago and also within their own community, but also can create networks of um, families where they can um, have uh culturally competent conversations about parenting, uh, also get um, resources and supplies for their babies and their other children. Um, Chicago Public Schools for um, a lot of my patients is a place where they can meet other folks who are um, from from their home country um, who also have children who um, they can find, um, you know, have have access to other resources or knowledgeable about other resources. And then, of course, I would like to put in a plug for the health centers. Um, We also do a lot of wraparound care. We have behavioral health services and WIC. Um, we have breastfeeding services, all of those which are you know super important. And we hope to provide culturally competent care, linguistically competent care for those, for our patients who we love. Annie Conquest is a certified nurse midwife at Erie Family Health Centers. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This episode of Reset was produced by Micah Yason, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather. Hear all the episodes in this miniseries, along with all the great stories that we share on Reset, by subscribing to our podcast. And when you do, it would be great if you could leave us a rating and review. It'll just take two minutes of your time, and it really does help the show. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.